and going, just in case I'm waking up in the middle of the night, I'm having all these other symptoms and no one else in the, in the class were having these symptoms. And that was my first sort of wake up call, like, wait a second, can I manage these symptoms? And is there a root cause to all of this? Welcome to Mom Strength, a podcast and movement to empower, educate, and showcase mom strength inside and out. I'm your host, Surabi Veach, physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as the Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. Hello, everyone. This is Sorobi Beach, and I am happy to bring you back another episode of Mom Strength with a very cool person that I've met through social media, Jane Bai. So Jane and I connected because we both were having our sec- my second and her first literally like the same week. And so we yeah. were going through it at the same time. And it's so wild how social media like connects people who are in the same phase of life. And we were both talking about pelvic health and just like in the thick of pandemic parenting Jane for the first time. And I love the things that she shares online as a pelvic physiotherapist and just even her own personal experience. So really wanted to have you on today. Welcome, Jane. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here and honored to be invited. I'm honored that you're here. And so Jane actually works in downtown Toronto as a pelvic physio at Step Up massage and rehab. And she also offers virtual physio, yay, virtual at pelvicpro.ca. So I wanted to say that right off the bat in case you're figuring out like where do I find her? She's an ortho and pelvic health physiotherapist in Toronto. Are you from Toronto originally then? You were born? No, no, it's a long story. It's a long story. We can get into it later, but yeah. Because I, I mean, I wasn't born here, but I've lived here as soon Mm. as we moved to Canada. And Uh, it's just wild to me how you meet so many people from like all over the world and like Toronto really like is so amazing for that. Cause you, people have such diverse backgrounds and stories yeah. and yet, like we kind of all meld and like, come, come here. So yeah. can you tell me about yourself and what got you interested in pelvic health, uh, wanting to be a pelvic PT? I want to know everything. Tell me about okay. you. Okay. Oh my goodness. Where do I begin? You can start <laughs> when you were born, if you'd question. like, or when you went to university, whatever, whatever. Tell me, tell me anything. We want to get to know okay. who you are. Okay. I can get started with, I was born in, in China. My parents are from Beijing. I'm from Beijing. So nice. a lot of cultural influence, like we still speak Mandarin at home. And so we, because of my dad's education, we moved quite a bit when I was a kid. So Born in Beijing, moved to the UK at the age of two, stayed there for a little while while my dad was doing his um, PhD. And then we moved to Ottawa, stayed there for his postdoc, moved to Toronto, stayed there for a little bit, moved to London. So we moved all over Ontario. Um, But the actual schooling that I took and and my physio education was through McGill. And I'm, I'm really thankful for that because that's where I met Claudia Brown. And if you guys are pelvic floor physios, you would know 
she's like a massive icon <laughs> or a big name in our field. So I'm so thankful I got into McGill. It was the only school I got into, but I was I was thankful I got and in. And McGill's anywhere. hard to get into, so you must be really smart because like that's a it's known <laughs> as a really good school for for physio and everything else. And yeah. how cool is it that like I went to U of T and I really do feel like the you go into school and you're like, I want I want it to be a neurophysio and oh. work in spinal cord rehab. And that's was that's why I went to physio school. And then when I was actually in physio school, it was like the instructors that I met that like drew me to orthopedics or drew me to this. And it's cool how like that's the power of connection, right? It's like you connect yes. with someone and then you're like, I want, I'm more interested in that because this person is. That's fascinating you say that because I, I wanted to go into maybe neurophysio or geriatric, like in the geriatric field originally, because yeah. um, a couple of reasons. I, before becoming a physio, I was actually in research. So I had a couple of years of wet lab research doing Parkinson's disease research at like the cellular molecular level, like the protein level actually. And so I was thinking like, oh, this would be cool to do more global, like see the actual person and do neuro rehab or something in, in the geriatric realm. But because of teachers and because of the influence of what I had learned at McGill, my ortho interest and pelvic health interest were, yeah, the way strongest. more of the focus. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of similar For to sure. me. It's like, I we did research and acquired brain injury in children. And I, that's when I was like, I yeah. don't think I can work with children. Not because I don't like, I, I just find it really hard to see children suffering. I think that's what it came down to. Mm. It was like, I, I don't think I could handle doing that every single day. Um, but I applaud and I'm grateful for the people who do because people need that like those services are needed same with geriatrics Absolutely. right it can be really hard Parkinson's it can be really hard um and even what we do right pelvic health there's a lot of pain trauma sensitive topics there and Absolutely. stigmatized topics that nobody wants to discuss um and you discuss and I love that you talk about things openly on your page which is what really attracts me to you and your content so tell me about your own history do you have any history of any pelvic yeah. health issues or Yes, I do. I have a, a little bit of a laundry list and all of these sort of surfaced at around the time I was in university. Mm. So yeah, um, I really wanted to bring this up because I really wanted to advocate for a profession and let you guys know that, yeah, you may be, you may be living with these concerns and conditions and not know who to see or how to seek help. So for me, the main things were dyspareunia. So that's just a fancy way to say pain with sex. Doesn't matter, like deep, superficial, all of it was painful for me. And then over time, what I noticed was I was getting bladder symptoms, a lot of UTI symptoms, urgency, frequency, specifically post-sex. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Is my sex life ruining my bladder health? Or like, am I just not cleaning myself properly? So I kind of just felt like I had to have this conversation with myself like, am I, am I just going to have to live like this and have right. these discussions with new partners or with my current partner? How is this going to work long-term? Um, so yeah. yeah. And like, you're young, you're like, and we, we always think young. about pelvic floor issues, maybe, we're, you know, pregnancy, postpartum, like menopause, but like this pelvic, everybody has a pelvic floor, right? Regardless mm -hmm. of who you are, you have a pelvic floor. So you can have 
discomfort, pain, leakage, urgency, even if you never have children or even if you, you know, exactly. And I think that's a crucial part of the story is like, I leaked when I was in my twenties, early twenties with running, I had urgency Mm. and I was ashamed to talk about it because like, what are you going to tell your friends? Hey, I kind of peed myself. Right. We don't have those conversations because it's, it's a sense of shame. Like I, um, something's wrong with my body, my pelvic floor. And like, I'm ashamed of, cause you think, oh, kids can control themselves. Like, why can't I? Right. So there's a big, um, shame, shame with yeah. it. And I, I share it openly now because I'm like, listen, I know I'm not alone. If this happens to me, I know this happens yeah. to a lot of people and yeah. we need to talk about it. And so pain with sex is even more stigmatized because, we don't, as women, like we don't really talk about our sex lives with our friends. Like we talk about everything else, but sometimes for some reason that is like a topic that's just not discussed from (laughs) depending on the friendships, of course. So what, what kind of helped you find help or did you seek pelvic health physiotherapy right away? Or did you, what, what was your journey into finding support? Yeah. So my first sort of a time where I realized, okay, maybe this could even be my pelvic floor because I, I did not know this was my pelvic floor giving me these symptoms was through that initial class at McGill. And it was literally labeled as a female incontinence class, but we learned so much more. We learned that this was really just um, like the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more to learn beyond this. Yeah. But during that class was when the teacher and the labs where I realized like, oh my gosh, I'm like, kind of the outlier compared to everyone. Like I'm going way more frequently in between classes. I'm going just in case I'm waking up in the middle of the night. I'm having all these other symptoms and no one else in the, in the class were having these symptoms. And that was my first sort of wake up call. Like, wait a second, can I manage these symptoms? And is there a root cause to all of this? Um, So that was my first wake up call. I did not seek a pelvic health physio until I had benefits. So that was a big barrier for me is yeah. uh, not only the shame, but also the finances. finances. Yeah. As a student, yeah. like you're already in debt, you know, from schooling and whatnot. And like, I do feel that being on social media and sharing what we do is for me, it's a small way to give back because there are people who are getting mm. free, good advice and education. If maybe they're not financially or mentally you know, we're ready to get support. And I'm like, something's better than nothing. So even yeah. having a tip about constipation, having this free content is so, so beneficial. Um, and the other thing that you mentioned was like, you know, when we talk about symptoms like this, sometimes we don't get help because we think that that's just how it is. We just mm-hmm. think that we are destined to have pain with sex or have bad sex or have UTIs. We, we think we just, that's like, that's it. Yeah. And it's not right. Like there, you know, you can totally change that with just a little bit of support. Um, Absolutely. And so tell me about how many, so how many years did you have symptoms and when did it actually start for you? Did it start with, you know, sexual intercourse or did it start with when you were in a teen? Like how, when did you start noticing that you had pelvic health health, um, symptoms? Yeah, Uh, this was actually interesting. You ask, it's kind of the transition period between when I was doing research, um, defending my thesis and then applying for physio school. So I didn't get in my first year, tons of stress, tons of like feelings of failure, feeling like, am I really cut out to be a physio? And then during that period, um, 
I hadn't been with someone long-term and started noticing these symptoms creep up. But at that time, I was taking part-time schools to bump up my grades. So a lot of those bladder symptoms, I feel like you don't notice them unless you're in a situation where you're occupied for the day. So for example, I could give you the example of when I first started out as a physio. I remember during my hour-long appointments, potentially needing to ask uh, the client to be in the room on their own so I could go to the bathroom um, or go just in case, like making sure I go just in case in between. Mm. So yeah, I, I had already been a physio for a little while before I mustered up the courage to be like, maybe I should just go check this out myself. Um, obviously I'm not doing a great, great job managing this on my own. If there's something else I could do, I'm going to yeah. try it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was a physio myself too, while I was experiencing leaks. Right. So, but when you're in orthopedics, it's a little different too, is, um, First of all, I want to say that most folks, I don't know what year you graduated, but I graduated in 2011. We didn't have any pelvic health education in school. We had one lecture on pregnancy where we watched a video that basically said how traumatizing pregnancy and childbirth is on for for somebody. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone was kind of like, oh, like that's pregnancy. (laughs) And then that's it. Right. And so in orthopedics, you don't learn anything about incontinence. You don't learn anything about Mm -hmm. urgency. And I think that's changing now. I think the students now are getting pelvic health um, education, just at least the bare minimum. But back then we didn't. So even though I was a physio and I knew better, quote, quote, unquote, Mm -hmm. and I had benefits Mm -hmm. through my spouse, I didn't know that this was something that was A, a big enough issue to address and B, that it was the tip of the iceberg to other things that were going on down there. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So uh, thank you for sharing that. I think that that's something a lot of young, healthy, you know, professionals in high stress schooling and um, competitive education, you know, we have to get top grades to get into these schools. I think we can resonate like that high stress lifestyle. Your pelvic floor is not going to be relaxed. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just doing this. Um, And so tell me about, now, when you did seek help, were you still living in Montreal? No. So I had moved back to Toronto oh, okay. um, at that time with my long-term partner and then had started working. So that was a whole new, different whirlwind of stressors. And um, yeah, when whenever you're new to a profession, I think it's it t- definitely takes some time to get oh, your yeah. bearings into right. it. But yeah. People think it's like a couple weeks or months. I'm like, it's like the first year, at least, you know, it's like, you're just entry to practice. It's tough. You want to do your best. Like we are here to serve our clients and we don't want to screw up or like miss something that was important. So we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Um, And then tell me about when you finally did get support. How did that transition into your experience with pregnancy and, you know, that whole transition? Yeah, so I originally got support sort of as like, kind of like a final thread of like trying to save the relationship at that point. And so that's what got me into my first appointment and found out a lot of things about even externally, like things that were tense and tight that I wasn't paying attention to, like my hip flexors, which can contribute to pelvic floor tension, my glutes. And then finally getting a proper like internal assessment done, which, you know, we do every so often in pelvic floor uh, courses, we have a lab component. And so that's, it basically looks like a big 
room full of people doing internal exams on each other. Um, so I knew there was something going on, but to have a full complete assessment done and have a plan in place really motivated me to get going, get going on this. And I had, a my public health physio was one of the teaching assistants at pelvic health solutions, which is basically mm, a yes. big teaching the, like, company. Yeah. One, I would say like company. the teaching company in Canada, right? In Canada. Correct. Yeah. Um, that offers yeah. internal pelvic health courses and yeah, that's awesome. So you, did you get yeah. to work with her? Yeah, I got to work with her. Her name's Lauren Campbell. And so she works downtown. Yeah. As well. She, she's really great. Um, very patient. Cause at that time, I had already mentioned this to a family doctor, a naturopath. So I was working with a small team nice. and I was getting like quite a bit of anaphylactic, like antibiotic use um, before sex. And that wasn't really working for me. I mean, it and did was that for the UTIs or specifically? Yeah. For the UTIs and more so for my fear of getting another UTI. Cause it, it yeah. really would be like Awful clockwork. Feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I want to hear about what happens from the medical side. So was uh, your doctor understanding? Did they refer you to physio? Did they, you know, yeah. <laughs> Good question. Um, yeah. So when I brought it up to my doctor, I think it came up um, when we were talking about pap smears and I had mentioned, yeah, it's painful, it's painful for me to have sex. And keep in mind, this wasn't painful all my life. So there were a few good That's years right. in there. So um, that can be different from other other people's history that the first time might be painful or it may have developed over time. So um, yeah, pap smears for a while weren't that bad. And But mentioning that uh, for the first physical that I had, I started that conversation and I brought up the UTIs as well. And the initial conversation was, well, let's see how this goes. Like, see if you consistently still get these chronic UTIs after sex, and maybe I'll write you a prescription on the second or third visit. Um, we did a few urine uh, examination, cultures, yeah. urine cultures. Um, but yeah, it was just when I was actively having sex. And I think the first few, I will say the first few um, times that I had UTIs, they were quote unquote, like true, like positive urine culture tests. But then later on, I was getting these symptoms with or without the culture test being mm. negative or positive. So it was kind of up in the air. And I'm like, well, what's going on? If they're negative, then why the heck am I getting these symptoms still? Um, why are you, you know, hopefully you weren't getting prescribed antibiotics for, you know, no, <laughs> no actual infection. Honestly, I think I was for, for a period. Um, but yeah. A part of me is like, I almost wanted to have them as well as kind of yeah. like a safety net of, yeah. oh, at least I'm not going to have cloudy pee or like painful the pain, pee, the burning, yeah, the burning, the blood sometimes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, part of me was like, at least I'm on antibiotics, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the education back then to know like, oh, this is impacting my gut health and my immunity and my, yeah. all the other things with the microbiome. So exactly. Yeah, I did. I had know. Um, same. I've I've been on many doses for acne, right? As uh, my oh. my dermatologist would be like, "Oh, here's another dose," and my acne would cyclically come with stress. So physio school, obviously puberty, but like you know, huge stressors, and the solution would be here's some hydrocortisone cream. 
um, injections and antibiotics, which is not dealing with the actual issue, mm. right? And it's, it's it's like the same in public health is we pump prescriptions, but we're not asking why is this happening in the first place? Because if you were clean bathing, you know, all the other things are happening. Yeah, this shouldn't happen. And um, yeah. that's so it's, it's also goes to show how we need to also educate the medical system that mm -hmm. they don't have to just, is someone with repeat UTIs, we need to look at their pelvic floor and see what's happening. You know, it's, it's not Absolutely. just a prescription and, you know, come every few weeks for another prescription Yeah, or pee um, after sex or wipe front to back. Like, yeah, yeah that's like that. the basic stuff. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how was it with your partner at, you know, because as a partner, you know, I'm just, how was that? How were they supportive? And how, like, how was it? Yeah. So my partner was extremely supportive. Um, this is not my partner that I have now. So um, yeah, at that time, very understanding. And for a long period, keep in mind, I was um, long distance with my partner, either he had a job in Toronto, I was still in London, finishing up my master's, or it was Montreal, Toronto. So it was a lot of long distance. Mm -hmm. And so Part of that is like, okay, that might be even for the better because I don't have to encounter that like anxiety or worry and fear. Regularly, yeah. Yeah, of having sex and pain and then UTIs all over again. Um, so yeah, it almost like worked out in a way, but <laughs> not, not really great for the relationship. Like eventually it almost became almost like platonic. Yes. Uh, kind of a love, like a brotherly, sisterly kind of relationship. So yeah, it was tough. It was tough. And it was hard to bring up the conversation over and over again. And yeah, I, I don't know. I actually don't know why I was so resistant on finding help. Like, was it shame? Was it just me accepting that this might be the way things are? I, I'm not too sure or that I was working on it, but my career took a higher focus at that That's time. That's it like, too, right? Like we can't prioritize everything. I I often think like you can't go all in on your health and go all in on your school and all in on your relationship. Like, it's, you know, everything's got give yeah. and take. And sometimes when, yeah. same with me, like when I was in school, my gut health was a mess. I was eating mm. like Tim Horton's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I wasn't eating yeah, yeah, vegetables yeah. enough. Like it's all the basic stuff that we know is important for our health and well-being, but that wasn't a priority because I was trying to survive in school. And, Absolutely. you know, yeah. that impacts so much more outside of, what we see, you know, can impact your sexual health, your pelvic health, your, your, for me, my skin and so many different things. And, um, you know, as a partner, I feel like that's another thing is I always think about this, like in partnerships, we are so, we struggle to communicate about these things sometimes too, maybe because they're not modeled to us, maybe because we don't talk to our friends mm. about it. Then we enter a romantic partnership and we're like, mm. I want to talk about this, but this is kind of awkward mm. and you don't want to offend yeah. somebody or, you know, or yes. say the, or say the yes. wrong thing. And, um, I know with my work with, you know, clients as well as sometimes people feel like then suddenly they're, they're like sick one or like they, they're the injured, like, you know, they're the problem and mm. nobody wants to enter a sexual encounter feeling like, Oh, I'm the problem. Right. Right. Um, there's a lot, yeah. there's a lot there and it's, it's just hard. It's just hard. Even if you yeah, have an understanding yeah. partner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, it was definitely a big, big strain, big strain and kind of like a topic we dodge every so often. Yeah. Yeah. It, and that then, was really tough. 
How long did it take with pelvic health support for you to start experiencing relief? That's a great question. I'm going to have to think about this for a second. So I think it did not take super long for me. I definitely originally came in and a lot of the support was internal release originally. And yeah, that, that was actually quite helpful, but as like, if you guys follow, follow me on at pelvic pro, or if um, you follow Scudabi, it's, it's kind of like, you still need to find the root causes. You still yeah. need to find, yeah. yeah like well, like the massage are... is one thing, but why is yeah. it tight in the first place? Or like, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it took a lot to realize like, okay, this is going to have to come through lifestyle changes. Like, how am I going to manage stress from work? How do I shut off my brain at the end of the day? Cause at, as a early, like um, early practicing in my PhD, PT practice, yes. constantly ruminating about like, are my clients okay? How are they yeah. doing? Should I email them again? Um, yeah, I'm kind of that highly wound, like type A type of person. So um, it was tough to shut off and finding things that, yeah, fostered relaxation and health in my pelvic floor were, yeah, like yeah, kind of like a it's more than a, build. And I think that's the key with physio is like we... I always tell people it's not just about Kegels or massage or like physically, mm-hmm. you know, the pelvic floor. It's about your whole mm-hmm. health and it's presenting as a pelvic floor, you know, issue. And yeah. we do help with lifestyle changes or referring to the appropriate practitioners who can help you with those types of big picture, whether it's a therapist or, a, you know, so many different realms, dietitian. Um, and I like that you brought that up because some people would be like, oh, I just did some massage and everything was fine or that's what they they assume and I'm like it's not so right. simple um no it's no, so funny I would, yeah I was just thinking right. about you and your pelvic uh your physio school <laughs> I always joked physio school is one of the unhealthiest things for my body we we're sitting all the time my posture was awful I started getting nerve pain in my neck yeah. my acne was horrible my diet everything was just like the unhealthiest time and here we are in school supposedly learning how to help people <laughs> have a healthier yeah. quality of life right yeah it's it's really tough and it's it's demand it's like two years of complete like demanding studying and then like a nine to five job and then they expect you to study after so yeah it's weekend yeah. courses ironic. evenings and yeah it's very ironic yeah. and um when I do mentoring with younger physios and like, there's no rush. There's no race to figure everything else out. You have like mm-hmm. 30 year, 40 year career. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you do, yeah. I don't know if your viewers would find this interesting, but um, in physio school, so the way it works at McGill is your, the pelvic health course is a, is a adjunct. Like it's like a, what's, what's extra, the word I'm trying to, like yeah, elective, elective. Elective. Yes. 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 And so I could have chosen advanced sports physio I could have chosen something different so um yeah it was just honestly that class was six of us six of us girls and we had quite a bit of attention from yeah Claudia it was was so much fun um but yeah it's not the entire rest of the class the other 55 of us they weren't there for uh that education so yeah I, I don't know if things are changing now but I, I think you're are. right at U of T. I'm pretty sure it is an elective or like they have a specialized week where you can, or like 
whatever the amount of time is where you can choose sports or pelvic. And then the unfortunate part is even with an athlete, they have a pelvis. So, you know, yeah, we are separating yeah. and it's just, we try to segregate and separate body parts yeah. and it all meshes and works together. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's really important. And I also think as a physio, you need to be able to understand the orthopedics and the full body as well as the pelvic floor. And I love that you do that as well. Mm-hmm. How was it during pregnancy and postpartum? How was your journey with right. health and your pelvic floor? Um, it was kind of an up and down journey. And um, I, I realized I didn't answer your other question about how long did it take? Yeah, how long did I it take? Yeah. Symptoms. Um, it took about, I want to give it a month before I realized like things were quite a bit better. Like it was not just That's my not sexual and it's not a long time. No. And I was already off of the antibiotics after finding out um, from Lauren Campbell, she had mentioned like the mic- microbiome. And I was like, oh man, I'm just doing more damage. My ND had mentioned this as well. She was like, you really don't want to be on antibiotics for too long. Um, so I had already um, felt confident come off, those. come off those for a bit. And then um, realized, later realized I didn't need them. They just, yeah, stayed in my cabinet. So took about a month of, let's say, weekly appointments. I think that's what it was initially. And then farther apart, like once in one month, I would maybe do a checkup. And now I probably do a checkup once in a year. Um, But you're right, like during pregnancy and postpartum, my pelvic health symptoms fluctuated again. And they honestly, they fluctuate throughout, like my stressors, um, how much how conscious I am about drinking water. So they have been fluctuating, but pregnancy and postpartum definitely started noticing these symptoms come back with a bit of urgency frequency. I'm talking more postpartum than I am pregnancy because to a certain extent, yes, you're going you're gonna to go more frequent during pregnancy. It, it felt like I was way more, way more equipped to um, work on my concerns postpartum, even though I was juggling baby and work and partner. I would always find like those little nuggets of time to do something like yoga or do a meditation here and there, drink my water. Um, yeah. And the, and the yeah. interesting part is like some people are not exposed to anything about their pelvic health till postpartum. That's their first, oh, something's That's wrong. True, That's the yeah. first time, at least for you in some ways, you're like, I already knew that this could happen or that the, these changes were going to happen. So it's yeah. like, you're almost better equipped to like not be surprised or shocked, right? If, if yeah. you are leaking or if you are experiencing pain or symptoms. Um, whereas, yeah, like some, you know, for me, my first pelvic health physio appointment was postpartum, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. you don't even know your baseline. You don't even know mm-hmm. what you were like, actually, that's not true. It was during my pregnancy, but even still, you don't yeah, know. It's your not baseline. even, is it your baseline? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I had still been seeing my pelvic floor physio throughout pregnancy and already started experiencing some of those symptoms. Um, well, more like uh, the fecal urgency type symptoms. That's something I also had before. And I just thought, oh, that's typical. Like you're supposed to have these like intense urges <laughs> to have poops. Um, but yeah, no, not necessarily. So yeah, started working with Lauren all throughout pregnancy and felt honestly really heard, like all those concerns felt really heard from having the time in pelvic health physio versus my two minute appointments, um, with at an OB, yeah, or an OB or with a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And it's there's tough. a lot of relief in just yeah. having your, uh, 
needs heard, right? Because yes. you, and yes. like, you know, I always say people know what they need if you just let them like talk about it, right? It's like you ask them questions about their life. They will tell you themselves, you know, I have been really stressed and, you know, I haven't been making time to eat breakfast or like, you know, these things come out when mm-hmm. you just like listen to the person and ask what's going on instead of like, mm-hmm. we have three minutes to finish this entire appointment. Um, do you have any questions? Okay, bye. Right. And you're like, but yeah. I did, but I can't, yeah. I don't feel like I can ask them. 100%. 100%. And so how have you been feeling with how's the stress and the balance? <laughs> I hate saying balance. Cause we know that it's not like a balanced thing. It's always mm-hmm. balancing, right? We're always trying to juggle different things. Um, and how do yeah. you find it as a mom and business owner and, you know, partner and someone trying to manage your own health, obviously, too? Absolutely. I, I find, again, the answer is kind of like it ebbs and flows. Like when I do have the capacity to do a bit more for my health, I will make sure I do that versus watch love is blind season three again, or like <laughs> something trashy that sometimes I just want to yeah, sit down and veg out. So same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really an ebb and flow. Like certainly I'm not perfect by any means. Um, still have to be very conscious, like looking at my water bottle and, and doing all the, yeah, all the basic lifestyle things. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's drink to this. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and no, it's, is, it's tough. It's, it's tough. and I'm I'm grateful for your honesty um, around that because I see so little honesty from not just physios, fitness pros. Like you know, they make it seem like their food is perfect, their workouts are perfect, yeah. and that yeah. they're that they're waking. You know, like those like eight hour. <laughs> I'm exaggerating morning routines. I wake up at 4am and I do an hour of meditation and I'm like, Oh man, obviously I don't have kids because like that's impossible and it's not needed. And I don't think perfection mm. is needed to experience better bowel and bladder health, better sex. And, better there you go. and so yeah. when we take that pressure off that we have to do things all the time, we realize, Oh, our bodies are actually pretty resilient and strong and they can actually feel pretty good, even though I'm not, Mm -hmm. even if I have a day of dehydration, I'm not going to, you know, nothing's going to happen. Right. Like it's just Mm -hmm. looking at big pictures and like taking that pressure off. Um, And I love that you said, you you know, I'd asked you about motherhood and can you talk about your patients and how motherhood has actually helped with patients? Yeah. Yeah. So I find this is a quality that I didn't have until I became a mother is like compassion and patience for listening to my body, listening to like my mind and emotions and making a decision on, okay, is this really the best day to go out there and go for a run or do something high impact um, and push through it? Because um, throughout my undergrad and master's program in in biochem, I, I was a varsity athlete. So you constantly hear things like you need to push through and you need to like get in your training. Um, so yeah, a lot of that messaging um, kind of pushed that aside and l- instead listened to what I needed that day. Maybe it was just a foam rolling session. Maybe it's just a 10 minute yoga session or a breathing session. Um, so I find at this point, like the compassion is there, like is much more there than it was before. Yeah, um, yeah as a result of becoming a mother and realizing my body really just actually doesn't perform well if I'm 
not on great sleep, dehydrated, yeah. eating poorly, skipping my meals, and then trying to go for an intense. Yeah, it doesn't work um, that way. And and what kind of training or what you you mentioned varsity athlete? What kind of training or what kind of sport? Uh, so I was playing badminton for six years. And then the year that I tried to boost my grades for physio school, I was um, on the dragon boat team. So that's busy. Yeah, I was busy. Tons and, of, yeah. And I think too, when out. you go from being an athlete, cause that's kind of my journey too, is like when you go from being really athletic and training to then becoming a mom, you're like, I can't do that anymore because yeah. life is busy and I have a tiny human and a body that's changing. And yep you know, it's, it's kind of, um, I don't know, did your identity shift a little bit from, you know, what it was before? Yeah, I was just going to mention, it was a really tough time um, with understanding, like, like, I guess, I don't know if it's called an identity crisis, but I felt like I was having one. Like I, I always felt like I could tie athlete into my identity. And then suddenly postpartum, we purposely like didn't ask family for help because we were so fearful of COVID. Um, and so it, it was really tough. I didn't have the energy to go for even sometimes, even if it was just a walk, I didn't want to get baby ready and do the whole yeah, thing. And winter's and- here. Like that's a mission bundling baby up and stuff. And I, uh, yeah. I agree. I went through that with my first baby as well. Not so much with my second baby. Cause I think by then I had like accepted a lot of that identity Amazing. crisis or that identity loss. And, you know, yeah. I, I actually think that that identity shift is healthy I actually think that it's normal we we pathologize as like oh I lost my identity mm. but it's actually mm. normal we've gone undergone this immense transition it would be weird if our identities didn't shift you know it would yeah. be weird if our activities didn't shift um Absolutely. when we have a child yeah. to take care of and um I really resonate with that patience and compassion part because I don't think I had any compassion for myself before I would treat myself like mm. A robot like oh I'm gonna mm-hmm. do this this and this and having a child you're like I'm caring for this little being making sure they eat go to bed yeah. so that they are not cranky and tired and you're like but I could be doing this for myself too because absolutely we have those same basic needs of eat sleep comfort you know movement all those basic threads and I think so many of us are so detached to ourselves and from ourselves that we don't recognize mm-hmm. that we have those same needs and motherhood has forced me to like reparent myself in the, in the same way that I'm parenting mm-hmm. my kids. Absolutely. And I think it's also made me like shift in mindset with, with work and career and business um, big time. I think that's can resonate with a lot of like mompreneurs or like, yeah, yeah. people in business and how do I leverage the time that I have, um, to make the most of work, but yeah, but also have time for family. And so, yeah. And it's, I think the other part is like the time and the energy, because like Mm -hmm. for me, I could look at my, I could be like, okay, the kids are in daycare from this time to this time. I have six hours in between, but I could work all those six hours. And then I have Uh zero energy for when I pick up my kids. Uh And then I have no energy for that post childcare to bedtime, which is, you know how that is like that is that takes a lot of energy and so for me it has been recognizing that I don't have a six-hour workday I have maybe four of those hours because those other two hours I got to make and eat lunch and I got to do something for myself whether it's a workout getting Mm. outside (laughs) self-care seeing my therapist all of those things and that is part of motherhood and running a business and I think a lot of people 
um, just look at it as time alone. And it's also our energies, like our energies are so crucial for ourselves and for our, our, like our children. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and tell me about how now, so tell me about what you offer now in terms of your work. I know you're running all these sweet, uh, (laughs) workshops and courses. Tell me about that. Okay. So right now, actually, we're in the middle of offering our very affordable birth talks um, in, in preparing for birth, pregnancy pain, and um, amazing uh, constipation. Um, so we're running those twice a year as of this year. Nice. Um, we'll see next year if we're going to do it twice or maybe offer something postpartum. So I think our audience has shifted now to postpartum. And so those talks are still running. If you guys are interested, you can um, check it out at pelvicpro.ca. Um, and then I'll share the see. link to so, that too. Great. Thank you. And can um, they buy the replay if they miss the live? Yes, you can always buy the replay and you can also buy the replay of our workshops, which is a much more comprehensive. Um, it was a two hour talk that we gave earlier this year. So still very current. Um, but we actually got down and rolled out our yoga mats with everyone virtually and um, did a lot of movement. So a lot of people saw better poops right after our constipation talk. So yeah, it was much more active that first one. And I think moving forward, we're going to keep it workshops rather than shorter talks. Um, So yeah, yeah. because I feel like the talks to people can get a taste, but then they want that. Yeah. Okay, let's get that action and that result. So I love that yes. you're yeah. listening to your audience and you know what works and um, offering those things. I will share that they're all on pelvicpro.ca. So I'll share the link to that. Yes. And I have a few questions for you. I mean, I know we've okay. been talking about you, but I have uh, some final thoughts and I want to get to know okay. a little bit about you. So can you tell me what you are reading or listening to right now? And what's something that's been life life-changing? So um, I'm going to share Maestro on the mic. And this is um, Shante Cofield, someone that you actually introduced to me. Um, Her podcasts are incredible for someone starting an online business. And I, because I've moved now to Woodbridge, Ontario, my commute is suddenly super long and unpredictable. I listen to one or two of her podcasts on the way to work. And yeah, her podcasts are, are just really great, honest, um, yeah, authentic and gives gives you like a realistic view of what you're up going against. It's when true. You're, it's not when like you're those bro, up. I feel like it's like the bro marketing, right? Whether it's your fitness or business, you get those folks who are like, yeah, you just do this. And in three months, you're going to make $10,000 a month. And you're like, what? And yeah. then she's like, listen, this is like, realistically, you're going to be putting in a time you're going to be, you know. And I really yeah. appreciate that because just like uh, when we're patients ourselves and we're going to a doctor or wherever, we we don't want to be lied to. You know, we want no. that honesty. Um, that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite podcasts too. Love it. Do you read as well? Do you mo- or do you mostly podcast now? Oh, I'm mostly podcast now. I have a ton of. I've been collecting business books that just get dusty. Yeah, but, I've yeah. got a stack of books that I'm like, fall and winter. <laughs> I'll read it all. <laughs> we'll see yeah I think I'm I'm better off doing audible which I used to have a subscription to but now yeah just catching up on the books that I haven't listened to yet so yeah all the all the fun business books there right now I'm on how to what's the title again how to 
win friends and influence people or something, something like okay, that. Literally my parents have this book on their bookshelf from like, a, this is an old book, right? Yeah. yeah this one's an old one. Um, yeah. And my parents have been like, you should read this book. And I'm like, I, you know how we, when your parents say something, you're like, yeah, whatever. You don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> Watch. I'm going to go tell yeah. my mom. Oh, my friend told me about this book. And she's going to be like, I thought I told you about this like 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> and it's a reminder to myself that my kids will probably do the same things to me too. That's Where hilarious. I'll tell them something, they won't listen. And then somebody else tells them. I but, will say though, yeah. as I'm following along with the guide, I will say you're actually naturally doing a lot of the things that are in the book already. Cause I'm always like, oh, he's really good at doing this thing. And she's always oh. doing this on our page. So yeah, you're, you're already kind of there. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Thank you. I'll, I won't read that book then. <laughs> Cause I'm always like, what do I actually need to read? I have like wow. literally my bookshelf, if you read it, like if I read all this, I think I would be a better human. Like, you know, the books that I have, mm -hmm. I just, I don't read in the summer. There's too many good things to do outside. So I yeah. save it for the fall and winter, but okay. I'm with you. I'm more of audio right now because I think my eyes are tired from like screens and whatnot. So I've been shifting a little bit more to audio, like podcasts. So I'm like, I'm, I need to try an mm -hmm. audiobook. I haven't really been into audiobooks yet, but it's a oh, good, no? Okay. no, it's a good reminder to do that. Tell me about what are three things you like to do for yourself every day? Three small things. Three small things. Um, Self-care stuff. I know one thing that I'd wrote, written down. I don't remember my other two already, but um, one thing is I really like gratitude journaling. I have this like Amazing. five year. Um, it's a five year journal. I know that's a big commitment. Listen, I saw that. Okay. First of all, I don't know how you stay organized because like you have, I remember you showed us once like some, and I'm like, oh, first, like I am not organized enough for that, but I am impressed that you are. Um, and that is so cool. And you, so do you write it down? You write your gratitude every day? Yeah, I either write gratitude or it's like a reflection prompt if it's I'm journaling at the end of the day. So it, is this a journal though. that you bought or something that you? Yes. Yeah. So this is a very like bougie Japanese journal with very fancy paper that I use like a little fancy pen to write. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's if you guys want to know, it's called the Hobonichi five year techo. Um, and I got to look this up because I feel like and are you so when it, when are you going to be done five years? Uh, it's goes from 2020 to 2024, I believe. Very cool. Or no, no, no. 21 to 25. Cause I remember thinking I have to buy this. It's perfectly like one to five. So... <laughs> and that's so hilarious. Silly. Yeah. Um, so okay. That's one thing. What else do you drink coffee? Do you go for walks? Yeah. What are like some other little self-care things that you find kind of make you feel like you and make you feel like I did this for me? I love coffee. So yeah, first thing in the morning, I will either make my coffee pour over or grab a coffee. And that's, that's definitely a self care thing. I think the final thing I would probably, um, I don't do this every day, though. But I really like salt scrubs. And I really like um, exfoliating my skin. And I find yes. that ritual is almost like a nice thing to tie in like shedding also the heaviness of the day if I got yes. like a tough tough yeah. grouping of clients or heard some like crazy news about what this Something doctor said that. Yeah, yeah this or the other so salt scrubs washing hands or even just yeah cleansing the body I love that. that that is like so um symbolic really right it's like pretty much everybody bathes you know 
daily or you know regularly and you can just use that as an opportunity for self-care by being a bit more mindful of and you know even just visualizing those bad thoughts and negative energy mm-hmm. kind of going away I love that I'm going to use that um tell me about something you're passionate about right now um I'm very passionate about getting back to playing badminton not in a competitive setting but in a very fun recreational I find like my love for it kind of died a little bit playing those yes. six years of varsity badminton and now that I'm just doing it for me and doing it for fun, no tournaments, no pressure. It's been really, really fun. Nice. Really, really fun. Nice. Yeah. Um, and if you could change one thing about the world, what would it be? It would be accessible and affordable pelvic health care for the perinatal population. And honestly, well, to everyone, to everyone, yeah. but especially um, surrounding pregnancy and having yeah, affordable care, making sure it's um, advocating for pelvic health before, before um, things, pregnancy before and, birth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I exactly. love that. Exactly. Not um, enough people see. I always think like, imagine we just support the mother, like imagine. Yeah, right? yeah. And like the outcomes are not just better for the mother, but for the children and the families and the ripple effect that it has on every family. Like it just, I think Absolutely. that's, I would love to see that change too. And Jane, what would be, what would, what would you say is your mom's strength? I think my mom's strength is what we talked about before is just having more compassion for self. And through doing that, I feel like I can show up uh, as a better me um, for my kid, for my partner, for my clients. Um, I love that. I love that. Because, you know, we think mom strengths are like, I can throw the best birthday parties. I can, you know, make the cutest (laughs) lunch. But it's like, really? It's about like how we treat ourselves too, right? Because that's Mm -hmm. a reflection on then what we have left in our tank to like pour out. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much, Jane, for this wonderful conversation and for your honesty and sharing your journey. And I think so many of your clients are probably like, I'm so lucky to work with somebody who not only can Aww. help me, but also can relate to some of these mm. things that I have been through. Um, you just bringing that next level of empathy and compassion for for the people you work with. And if people want to find you, chat with you, DM you, where's the best place? Uh, the best place where I'm most active is Instagram. Um, so the handle is at pelvic pro. Um, so yeah, you can find me there and DM me anytime. Sounds usually good. quick to respond. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. And Thank if you, so you are a listener, you're so welcome. If you are a listener and you enjoyed this conversation, please do me a favor and share this with an expecting parent or a postpartum person or somebody in your life who you think this could benefit. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links, and we'll chat again real soon.